welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. So great to have you. Thank you for being in the house of God. What a privilege to be able to assemble together in the house of the Lord. Come on, y'all. We are blessed by God to be able to do this. I feel like I'm off-centered here. Um, so, so glad that you're here. So glad that those of you that are joining us online, thank you for being a part of this. And we're in our Hall of Fame series. And um, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the Hall of Fame because pretty interesting. There's a lot of different types of Hall of Fames. Um, of course, the requirements and selection process varies in every Hall of Fame. And it includes only the highest caliber of individuals who've attained some type of excellence in their field. Uh, when I think of Hall of Fames, for me personally, I always think of the Pro Football Hall of Fame first. And, um, and so anybody can nominate uh, anybody for the, the, the Seniors Committee of the Hall of Fame, by the way, they can nominate anybody, but uh, each, each nominee has to have been out of the league for five years. They have to have uh, at least 80% of the board that says they ought to be in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, but then that's really the only requirement. It's like, hey, if this guy was great, and this year I understand um, that formerly of the Dallas Cowboys, Drew Pearson, I think, is going to be number 88. Isn't that right? He's going to be inducted this year. So uh, I don't know how many Cowboys are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That might be something to look up for me. Uh, but it's a, it's a lot of them. And then there's the National Baseball Hall of Fame and the inductees are selected more carefully uh, in Major League Baseball. In fact, after careful examination of their qualifications, it not only includes their playing record, but their character and their integrity. And so I find that interesting. Uh, the Football Hall of Fame is not like that, but the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame says, you know, character and integrity does matter to us a little bit. So I thought that's amazing. And then there's a the basketball uh, Hall of Fame, and you think about that, and, and again, the same, the same sort of just general rules. What, what were y'all? Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, and then there's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Come on, all my rock and roll people. Uh, a candidate, this is interesting. So for, for all the Hall of Fames, like for uh, football, for baseball, for basketball, basically you have to be out of the league for five years. But uh, rock and roll is different. Uh, you can only be considered after 25 years and after the individuals or group's first album was released. And so I just, I just found that pretty interesting. But we're talking about Hall of Fame because God has a Hall of Fame. And, um, and I want to give you an elevated thought based on based on our scripture for the year, our scripture for this year and this year if possible is from Luke 1:37. for with God, no thing or nothing will be impossible. And I just wanna speak that over your life. I want you to speak that over your life. Hey, nothing will be impossible for me in 2021. And so how does that work? Like, how do you get to a place where with God, nothing or no thing that you decide will be impossible. And I want to talk to you about that. So what I'm calling the elevated thought, because we go to Elevate Life Church, God wants you to be great because he has a great plan for your life. So only the greatest of the great make the Hall of Fame. Whether it's football, whether it's baseball, whether it's basketball, whether it's rock and roll or any of the other sundry of Hall of Fames, it's really people who have distinguished themselves by some level of excellence or excellence means that which is above uh, normal and certain, certainly below normal. But God has his own Hall of Fame and we've been talking about that out of Hebrews the 11th chapter. It's really God's Hall of Fame of faith. But 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11, I really want, you, want to just note this. Now, all these things happen to them as examples. Everything in scripture happens. Everything that's written in scripture is to give us an example. It's literally to be a sample of how we are to live our life. 
And uh, they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages. In other words, it's like, it's like we are living this life. We are a part of God's dream that God is, is dreaming. And I want to just tell you, really hear me today, your life matters. Sometimes you can just kind of be head down, butt up. You can be working your business. You can be, you know, having your family, your four and no more. You can be having the drama that all comes from past, present, and future. And you can be thinking, man, life really, you know, nobody would even know if, if, I, if I wasn't here anymore. And sometimes we can start to think about that because we start thinking honestly that life is about us. And life is so much more than about us, but life very much depends on us. And how our life goes depends on us. So again, I want you to really get this. God wants you to be great because he has a great plan for your life. But for that plan to come, come to pass, you have to be working towards your greatness. And really you have to have a desire on some level to be great. I talked to the mighty men about this uh, two, a couple of weeks ago. But I don't know what it is because I wasn't just raised this way, but there was something in me that I wanted to be great. Like I wanted to reach my full God-given potential in the earth. I didn't want to be greater than somebody else. But I can remember um, before I even was playing organized sports, I'm talking about before I was even on a team, uh, around the time I was 11 or 12 years old in the sixth and seventh grade, probably about the sixth grade is when I asked my parents for a weight set. And nobody, we didn't have a weightlifting culture in my family. Nobody even worked out. And so it's like, oh, you want that? Well, they went to their favorite store where you get weights, and that's Sears. <laughs> Sears and Roebuck. And, and Sears back then had these sort of gold-looking weights with, with sand in them. And, uh, and I started lifting weights, man. I had a weight set in my room. I started lifting weights. I didn't know what in the world I was doing. And y'all, this is like, this is in 72. And so I got these ankle weights. I asked my parents, I go, I want you to give me ankle weights. They go, what in the world do you want ankle weights for? What is that? I go, well, you put them on your ankles and it just makes you weigh more. And then when you run and stuff, you know, you're getting stronger. They're going, okay. Not having any idea what was in my mind. It's like, I wasn't on any sports team at that time. There was no, it was like, it was like there was something in me that I wanted to be great. Spirit, soul, and body. I remember being jogging in place and we lived on a pier and beam. Some of y'all know what that means still, but we lived on pier and beam and we had wood floors. So I would put a rug underneath me and I would be running in place and you could hear it almost all over the house. And many times my mother would come and go, man, what are you doing? I said, I'm not sure. I'm just training for the future. Like I'm training. She goes, for what? And I go, just to be the best I can be, mom. She's like, okay, all right. Well, we'll be glad when you stop making that noise. There's got to be something on the inside of you that wants to be great. You, you know, one of the definitions for great, 18 uh, Webster's Dictionary, my 1828 Webster's Dictionary is where I always go for definitions. And that's because you have to understand something about Noah Webster. He spoke 27 or 26 different languages, which included Hebrew and Greek fluently. So, so by the way, you can use any dictionary you want, but Webster's is a good one because Noah Webster was the one that gave us our original rules for grammar and punctuation and things like that. So while I, even when I study the word of God and when I, I go back and, and, and I'm, I'm doing hermeneutics, which is the science and art of biblical interpretation, I never just look at a scripture. I look at what the words mean in that scripture, in the context of that scripture. That's what I trained for. And that's, that's how I've studied. And so, but I'll, I'll refer to my Webster's dictionary, 1828 Webster's dictionary. And, um, and in that dictionary, the number one definition for great is beyond normal. You know, the only goal some people have is just, I just would like things to be normal. You, you, can, you can see in our world right now, it is not normal. How do you know it is not normal right now? Like this is not normal. Normal doesn't fix normal, but greatness can Really hear what I'm saying. You being your normal self isn't going to fix what maybe is wrong in your marriage, but the greatest part of yourself can. Whatever's going on in your life that, that like is, is not normal. It's like not normal. You, you know what you can start to long for? Man, I just, I just want things to get back to normal. And usually out of some type of tragedy, we are thrust 
into something that is so abnormal that it puts a demand for greatness upon us that is by default rather than by design. But I want to submit to you today that God has a great plan for your life and it's going to require you becoming great. Come on. It's going to require a desire for you to want to be great, not greater than somebody else, but yet there's got to be some kind of greatness that you, that you have, that you desire. And nobody can put that in you. And by the way, why should you desire to be great? Because you're called to greatness. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. I don't care who your dad or mom was. Maybe you care, but that's not, that's not even the issue. The issue is it doesn't matter where you came from. God decided for you to be in the earth. You've got one life to say, you know what? I can be great. My life can be great. Because how many of you know, God is not just good. God is great. Come on, God is great. So here's what the Bible says. Hebrews 11 verses one and three and then six and eight in the New Living Translation. They have a little big Bible in the sky, but I encourage you to follow along. Also, we have notes for you at elevate.life. And do we have notes anywhere else, Josh, on any other platforms besides our website? version app. So there's notes, you can follow along. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. So our faith, watch this now. Our faith, my faith, shows the reality of what I'm hoping for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. The way I live my life before what I see happens is based on my belief that I'm taking action on. So really hear what I'm saying. So when I'm walking by faith and not by sight, it doesn't matter what I see. Most people are living based on what they see. They take their cues from the seen realm. They feel bad based on what's happening. They feel bad if it's raining. They feel bad if the weather's not good. They feel bad if somebody treats them badly. They, in other words, they don't even realize, but they're taking their, their cues from people around them, what people have done to them, what people have said to them, things that have happened to them that have been unfair. They're, they don't even realize they're taking their cues. They're taking their cues from the weather. They're, you know, we, we dress accordingly. Like, like I, I told Pastor Sheila today, I said, Sheila, I'm just going to like, this, this is part of who I am. Like, like what I'm wearing today is a part of who I am. People might like it. They may not like it. It's not, that's not even the issue. I like my shoes. Like I like this cheap suit that I bought in Melbourne, Australia. I like the way it fits. It just, I just, I just like it. I've had custom made suits that don't fit this good. And at the same time, when I say fit good, I don't mean so I look good to y'all. I'm talking about so I feel good in my suit. It's like, it's like. You know, so, so here's my point. I tell, I tell Pastor Sheila, like, here's what I'm going to wear. I kind of laid it out. I said, now, would you rather me just wear black pants? And, you know, I said, because this is what I'd like. She goes, baby, you always wear what you want. I want you to wear. I said, yeah, but I just don't want like what I wear to distract people. You said, now watch this. Here's what happens. So many people live distracted by what other people are wearing, by what other people are saying, by what's happening in the world, that they stop being themselves. I just want to give you permission today in the name of Jesus to be your great self, to be your great self. And people might like it and people may not like it, but guess what? You be you. Don't dress for somebody else. Ladies, y'all listen to me. A lot of times a woman will dress for somebody else. Don't dress for nobody. You dress for you, girl. You be you, because people are going to criticize you anyway. Why? Not because of you, but because of how they feel about themselves. So a lot of times the greatness in us that's being hindered, we don't even realize it, is because we're not taking our cues from the Word of God. We're taking our cues from everybody else. Are y'all with me on this? So my faith shows the reality of what I hope for. What are you hoping for? My faith is what I believe and the action that I'm taking. So what are you believing for? Because your faith is going to require the greater part of you for whatever you're believing for this beyond normal. You know what's normal? At least do enough with your brain and yourself that you can qualify for a job or qualify for starting a company. And then just what's normal is I'm going to get my house and I'm going to get my car and I'm going to live my life and I'm going to do this. 
Can I just tell you something? God did not create you just to go along to get along. There's something on the inside of you that's unique about you that puts a demand on your greatness. And that's what God's looking for. What God is looking for, listen to me, is your faith. More than your good works. Like what are you hoping for that puts a demand on your greatness to take action even when you're not seeing it? Wow. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Or can I just say they earned their gold star of greatness? By faith, we understand that the entire universe universe was formed at God's command. Everybody say this with me. My life follows my mouth. You hear me say it, but this is what we're talking about. We understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command by what God said. And what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Listen to me now. I want to talk to you about your future. What you see for your future is not going to come from anything that you see right now. Hmm. Because it's going to require your faith if you see a big future for yourself. And it is impossible, the Bible says, to please God without our faith. In other words, without me believing, he didn't tell me what to believe, except to believe that he is God. Believe that I am God and believe you are my child. And with that belief, then I go through life and I say, you know what, God has something great for me. He has a great plan in my future. I can't stay normal and I sure can't be below normal. So, so wow, God has, so, God has a great plan for my life. So that's why we come to the house of God. That's why we're taught the word of God. Why? Because we hear about the great plan that God has for us with all these examples about people who were a part of God's great plan or who just, in fact, I've, I've seen me do this before, but like God has this great plan and he's unfolding it and man, he creates he creates man. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. So he takes the best part of man out of him and he creates the whoa man. The man wakes up and goes, whoa man. And God goes, yes, that is her name. Whoa. And as you honor her, you're going to honor me. And man, they are naked, enjoying every second of it. Just loving life, walking with the animals, talking to the animals, living in paradise. And all of a sudden we get to the second page and the serpent shows up. And she saw that it was good for food and desired to make her wise. She took it, she ate it, and then she gave it to him. And they lost the power, watch this, not just to, 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 to do good and gain the power to do evil, but watch this, they lost the power to be great automatically. By this time in scripture, man had already fallen. We're two pages in. These are the stories of the highway patrol, the struggles of people and their way back to God. But two pages in, there's an assault, watch this, by Satan on the greatness of who humanity is. It doesn't take the devil long. Here's my question to you. How long does it take you to decide, I want a better marriage than this? I don't want normal. I want greatness to happen in my life. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely ask. Say this with me. Let's open up our eyes. Let's look up to heaven. Come on, everybody, just say this with me. Say, God, thank you that you want to reward me. Wow. Have you ever felt unrewarded for who you are? Oh, yeah. Because that's part of the devil's plan. He doesn't want you to think you're valued for who you are. That's why, here's how true confidence comes. All the young people listen to me. How many of y'all are young? All the young people listen to me. By the way, Josh sent me a study recently. I was so encouraged by this because he knows how I roll. He said, people who in their mind think they're young, no matter what they look like, they're just more healthy. Welcome to my world. As delusional as it is, Eric, I still think I got it, man. As delusional as that is, I still believe that I am strong. But people who think that way, watch this, are not sitting around doing nothing, living normally. 
there are people who are fighting, not just the good fight, but the great fight. It's a great fight. God is pleased with this. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went not knowing, without knowing where he was going. So I want to just give you a few things about how to make God's hall of fame. By first of all, acknowledging God, acknowledging, okay, God, you have a plan for my life. And therefore, if it's a great plan, I must be great. I must be beyond my normal to have your great plan happen for my life. Here's the first thing. You've got to believe what God says about you. Don't believe what your mama said, even if she said great things. Don't just believe what your daddy said, even if he didn't say anything. Don't believe what your ex said. Don't believe what that relationship that didn't work out said. Don't believe what anybody else says. You know what you need to believe? You need to believe what God says. You need to believe what God says about you. I love this. You're not who people think you are. You aren't who you think you are. You aren't who you think other people think you are. You are who God says you are. Come on, put an amen on that. You know what happens to us all? We, 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 start, we formulate in our mind, here's how people think about me because of what people have said to us. And by the way, girls, if you're pretty, and all of you are, but if you're pretty and somebody is jealous of you because of the way you are, you know what I'm talking about, then guess what? You can start getting on the side of life that everybody's just, everybody's just jealous of who I am. And you start dumbing yourself down. It's all these different kind of emotions that are going on rather than just being yourself. Being the great person that God's created you to be. Not taking your cues from anybody else. Genesis 12. Again, this is where it starts. The path of greatness. Now in Haran, the Lord said to Abram, go away from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house. Listen, sometimes we need to separate where we've been. Our ethnicity the normal thought processes with your ethnicity. I need you to get out of your country. I need you to get out of the way of your thinking. I need you to get out of your family. God says, I need you to go away from your family. Guess what? Abraham, Abram, or later now Abraham, but Abram's father was headed towards Canaan because that's where God told him to go. But the Bible said he died in Tehran. Why did he die there? Why did he die there? He died there because something happened. He just got stuck. And so many people do not die in their promise because along the way, they just stop. So God says, I want you to get away from that country. In other words, the thought, the nationality, thought process, get away from your ethnicity process, your relatives from your father's house. And I'm gonna take you to a land which I'm gonna show you. And then he starts giving him this promise. Watch this. And I will make you a great nation. I mean, that's where he starts. Wow. What's he trying to do? I'm going to make something bigger from your life than you could have ever imagined. Great nation. What God was saying, it's not so much about the nation. It's so much about so, so much more that God has for him than what he could see in his own family and in his own country. God says, I'm going to take you to a place. You don't even know where I'm going to take you. But by the way, here's the promise. If you'll do this, I'm going to make you a great nation. And then he says, and I will bless you abundantly. How many of y'all want to be blessed abundantly by God? Come on. And I will make your name great, exalted and distinguished. What does that mean? If your name's great, it's because there's probably some greatness that's been developed. I pass, I do every uh, Sunday morning, maybe late Saturday night, but always early Sunday morning. It's done by, by usually 7.30 or so. I send some of the pastors of America's largest churches and then some pastors that nobody knows, I send them prayer text. And oftentimes like this morning, I sent the text to people. And again, I could list names to you, but that are in my phone, but T.D. Jakes and Joel Osteen and people like that. People who are my friends that here they've got their, like they've got, they've got their world. They're trying to advance God's kingdom. And I, I'm just going to give you an example of what, I, of what I sent this morning. 
Because this is what happens every Sunday. It's different. Sometimes God will give me a word. Sometimes God will give me a, something to prophesy. I said, God morning, not good morning, God morning. Next time you wake up in the morning, don't just say good morning to somebody. Either say great morning or God morning. Because God is great. Like I, I said, God morning. And this is to a friend of mine, Bill. I said, Bill the great. That's how I dress him. Bill the great. Do you know that most people uh, aren't walking around in your life and declaring, hey, crew, the great, but God is. Like whatever your name that your parents named you, God attaches great to it. So you don't have to like sign off on that. Like when you sign your name, you don't have to say the great, but just know there's a dot, dot, dot behind your name and God says the great. Come on, you are great. So I, I always address people, you're Bill the Great, for instance. I'm praying that God will use you as his aroma to bring life, blessing, and favor to others. And then I give a scripture, 2 Corinthians 2, 16. To the one, to one, we are an aroma of death leading to death. And to others, we are an aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? And it's this word, I just said, hey, I just want you to know today, you're an aroma of God's greatness. And I wanna speak that over your life. I want you maybe for the first time attached to your name, whatever your name is, Bill, Bob, Sue, whatever it is, attached the great to it because that's how God sees you. And that puts kind of a different kind of demand on you, doesn't it? You have the great on your, on your last name because God's saying, I'm gonna make your name great and you shall be a blessing, a source of great good for others how many of you don't just want God to make you great? But can I just tell you, God wants to make you great so you can help other people to be great. This is, this is part of my secret of my marriage. Y'all listen to me. The reason I have a great marriage and I have a great marriage is not just because of me and it's not just because of her. But I've decided, you know what, on this path of greatness until I take my last breath, I can't remember if it was my son, but I was talking to one of my kids recently. They said, you're probably gonna be working out like the day you die. I said, yes, I am. Like just, just to say to my body, you know what? This body's the temple of God. And as long as there's breath in me, hey, I'm not just gonna take care of this temple, but I'm gonna make this temple as great as it can be and hopefully defy age. Now I'm in, like Pastor Sheila and I are doing like this dry ice thing in cryo, yes, we're doing this. Like we're doing red light therapy. We're doing infrared therapy. If y'all see us transforming like right in front of you, you know. I had me a, a facial yesterday. Can you tell I'm glowing? What am I, what am, what am I, we're investing in our health. See, a lot of people, they just, like you, you, got, like you got one life. Why wouldn't you invest in you? Why wouldn't you decide, I wanna be great, spirit, soul, and body, like, like, and, 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 and get a coach to help you do that. That's part of why I do these masterminds. I'm about to go into mastermind week. This week, I'll gather with dozens and dozens, even hundreds of people, both online mastermind and in-person masterminds, and I'll impart greatness into them. Get in a room where we talk about their personal life and their professional life and looking at where their life is right now and looking at how they wanna scale their life and where they want to grow and where they want to go. You got to get some help. You have to invest in yourself. You have to be somebody that says, you know what? I don't want normal. That's why Sheila and I do, do couples masterminds now. That's why we're doing elite masterminds. That's why we're doing all these things because at this season of my life, I want people who value their own greatness and know you just don't get to be great for free. You can come here for free, you can sit here for free, and you can hear a lot of great things, but until you really start actively investing in yourself, you'll never achieve greatness. So that's why we do what we do. That's a part of the ministry. That's part of what God has put me on the earth to do. Why? Because he has put me on the earth to develop my greatness. Watch this, but it's not just me, it's you too. That those people around you become the beneficiary of your greatness. Not you looking for something from them, but you're on this quest of greatness because God has a promise for you that he's gonna make you great. And he's gonna bless people. The nations of the earth will be blessed. This is called the blessing of Abraham. And I love this, verse four, Genesis 12. So Abraham departed. 
He said, okay, God, that's what you said. You know what happens to a lot of people? God will give them a word and they go, mm, okay, well, maybe that'll happen. Listen, whatever's in your heart, whatever you're believing God for, every day, everybody say every day. Every day, take steps, take action towards what you're believing, the future that you see for yourself. You know what a vision is? A vision is a picture you have for you, a picture you have for your life. When does the future start? One of the guys that I've studied for years is Ray Kurzweil. I won't go into all the reasons why I've studied him, but he's a futurist. He now works as Google's futurist. I've been studying him since, since I was in my 20s, back from the time I was 25. In fact, when we started our church in about 08, about eight years into it, I got up for the first time and I said, I'm gonna live to be 150 and I'm gonna be healthy. Why? That's the future I see for myself. Not to be 150 like this, but 150 and be healthy. Ray came out with a book right after that said, you can live to be 150 and be healthy. I thought, hmm. Somebody else believes it. He's the guy, by the way, that's developed nanotechnology. He's the guy, by the way, that these, these pianos, like, like the piano that Arthur is over here. Arthur, that's not just a regular piano, that's a synthesizer, right? So it's a synthesizer. You can hit a key and it can play a violin sound. You can hit a key and it can play a drum sound. You can, hit a, you can, you can create all types of, of sounds on a normal piano keyboard that can just be a piano. But this guy developed a technology that you're using called synthesization, synthesization, synthetic, synthetic music. So what's the point? When does the future start for you? Watch this, here's what all futurists agree. Five seconds from now. You've got five seconds, five, four, this is how long the present is. Three, two, okay, I'm into the future. What, what future do you see for yourself? You've got five seconds to make a choice. What needs to shift? It's like, what future do you see for yourself? Well, I, I don't really know. Wow, you just missed a window. What, what, like if I ask you, how many of you want to be healthy till you take your last breath? Everybody's hand would go up. Then the second question is going to get you. What are you doing about it? Well, you know, I got some things going on in my gut. I, I, I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, got your second brain, right? It's like, I mean, there's all kind of, you got you to find people who can help you, watch this now, grow to where you see that you can go. So important. This is what God was trying to say to Abram. I want you to believe what I say about you. I'm gonna make your name great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a great nation through you. I'm, I'm gonna bless those who bless you and curse those that curse you. And wow, people are gonna be blessed because of your life. Abram's going, okay. Now watch this. At that time, he was 75. 75, y'all. And God says, I have a future for you. I don't care what your age is, God's got a great future for you. Come on, put, put an amen on that. So, so a few chapters later, now he's about 85. After, Genesis 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, I am your shield and your reward for obedience. I am your exceeding reward and it shall be very great. So here's the promise, watch this. Here's the promise of believing what God says about you. God will make you great and, and your reward will be great. Your reward will be great as you accept the call for God to make you great. Here's the second thing. Don't just believe what God says about you, but do what God says to do. This seems simple, doesn't it? Like just do what God says do. Couple of leadershipologies. The evidence of a pure heart that is empowered to see God is a heart that sees what God does and does what God does best. What does God do best? He gives. He gives his best to us. And when we give our best, we do what God does best. And then you've heard me say this, finish it if you know it. Our job is to believe, come on, God's job is to do the impossible. We are in the year of possible. It is a prophetic word for your life. 
What has been impossible in the past is going to be impossible this year and in your future. But don't just believe it. Between our believing that God is able to do what God says he's going to do and God doing the impossible, I have to take action. And I have to decide based on the future that I see how I'm going to activate or actionate, my word, my faith. Because only you can do that. Only you can take action on what you're believing based on the future that you see. And when you do that, I'm going to give you an equation now. Faith plus obedience equals possible. Faith, what is my faith? My faith is believing for what I'm believing for. Watch this now, I'm believing what I'm be- for what I'm believing for. I'm gonna take action based on what I'm believing for. God says, now, now you're getting it, Keith. Because without that faith, not just a belief, but a belief that take action, that takes action, it's impossible to please me, but you're pleasing me. Why do you want to please God with your life? Listen, because he wants to be your friend. God wants to be your friend. And God is great. And he takes us just how we are when we're not so great. But the purpose is, hey, listen, you got too much of your family stuff on you. You need to leave that paradigm. You've got too much of your ethnicity on you. You need to leave that. Leave your nationality. Leave those paradigms. And I'm going to take you to a place. And watch this. If you'll do this, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make like something so much bigger. You can't even fathom this, Abram. But I'm going to make a great nation because of you. What? I only have a kid. I do not have a child. And you're speaking this over my life. There is no way I can think about starting a business for myself. I mean, there's just no, I I can't even see it. You know your past. You know the family you came from. You know where you've been. You know where you've lived. One of the greatest things my parents did for me that they weren't doing for me was when they walked into my room and I was in a bunk bed. It was about nine o'clock at night. And they said, we are moving from Dallas to New Orleans, Louisiana. It was the worst news I'd ever heard in my life. We lived in the same house. We lived in the same city. I had the same best friend next door. And within about a week, I met her. My first day of school, y'all know the story. I'm walking in this school and the basketball coach says, hey, do you play basketball? Well, I could play basketball. I could also play football. I could also play, I was an athlete. So I could play sports. He said, we're in basketball. He goes, you play basketball? I said, yes, sir. Now what he didn't know up to that time, the only basketball team I had ever played on was my eighth grade team. And I wasn't that good. But I've been, hey, y'all, I've been in my room. I've been lifting my Sears and Robux weights. I've been running my tail off. I found a weighted vest that the military wore. And I would, I would go outside and I would run. So here I am now, watch this, in a new place, new season of my life. My parents didn't move me for me, but God moved them for me. You play basketball? I said, yes, sir. He said, why don't you come to our game tonight? We're playing the Salmon Spartans. I'm sitting on the sidelines of the game. Y'all know the story. I'm not watching the game because I see. I see this girl. I turned to the guy and said, who's that? He said, well, she's going steady with somebody. That's what we called it back then. But there's one right down there that looks just like her like twins. One was taken, one was mine. I mean, my life started changing. Like I saw not only what I wanted, I saw who I wanted. I thought, I need somebody like that in my life. Like she never stopped. I said, I need somebody cheering for me like that my whole life. That night, y'all know the story. Now watch this, I'm believing and now I'm taking action. I'm walking up McDonald's. She said, with all those cheerleader friends, I didn't care. I didn't care about what they looked like. I looked right at her. I said, hey, I'm new in town. She said, I know. I thought my heart was going to jump out of my chest. Long story short, God took me to a different place from a different state 
It moved me to a place that starts with Lou's, Louisiana. <laughs> so that my future, watch this now, that was up to me to take action on for what I believed for could happen. Oh, by the way, after that Friday night game, I went to the first practice on Monday. One of my friends said, can you dunk? Up to this time, I'd never dunked in my life. But y'all, in my bedroom, since I was about six, I've been working out. I've been lifting my Sears and Robux weights. It's like, I say, yeah, I can dunk. He goes, let's see him at my first practice. I jump up and slam it with both hands. The coach went, I'll say in my mind, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm going to help us win. And then I had to figure out, you can't foul out in every game, like in the first five minutes. I was still like, I get out on the court, going, oh, you're not going to shoot over me. Bam! I was like, ah, yeah. And so the coach said, listen, we got we to gotta, we gotta be able to keep you in. I'm not joking. For more than five minutes, if you're going to help us. Because once I came out of the gate, y'all, I was out. And then I started saying, I'm going to get me a college basketball scholarship. Nobody in my family even went to school, went to, went to a college. What's my point? It doesn't matter what you see in your future. Take what you believe, take action on it. It pleases God and do it unto him. And he will make you great on some kind of level. He'll do it. He'll do it. And it's never too late. So do what God says do. Genesis 22. God speaks to Abram. He's now, I don't even have time to go into the whole story. He's not only left his family, he's like moved to this, this new land of promise. God tells him he's gonna make him the father of many nations. He now has a son, Isaac. And by the way, God spoke to him when he was 75. The son didn't come for 25 years later. When I was studying this the other day and I told some of the kings in our church, some of the guys who are financial leaders in our church, I said, hey, I just want to tell you guys something. I feel like God, we're in a window right now from 21 to 25 years where God's going to do some amazing things in our church. As I was studying this, God said, 25's coming. I want you to watch, son, everything that you've seen, because I've seen a lot, y'all, everything you've seen that could happen is going to happen. So y'all enjoy your seats all by yourself up here, spread out. People are going to not only come back to church, we're going to reach people like never before for Jesus. That's what we're going to do. And God's going to bring some amazing people like my friends, the Unworths, that are sitting right there to help us do it. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Do what God says do. He says, I want you to take your son. I want you to go up on this mountain and I want you to give him to me as a sacrifice. Wow. Long story short, Abram says, okay. He takes his son. His son's 15 years old. He says, hey, get some wood and I'm gonna load you down and we're gonna go up on that mountain and we're gonna offer God a sacrifice because that's what he told me to do. So I said, okay. So then he left his, his, his animals with an attendant. He said, hey, me and my son are gonna go up on this mountain, but hey, we're gonna come back. Now he knew in his heart, God told him to sacrifice his son on the, uh, up on top of the mountain. But he told the attendant that he was leaving his animals with to go up there. He said, we're going to come back. What was he saying? Even if I sacrifice my son, I believe God has the power to raise him from the dead. So whatever God tells you to do, you got to do it. So he goes up there and his son, they prepare this altar and his son puts all the wood on the altar. And he says, dad, where's the sacrifice? He said, oh, listen, Isaac, the Lord is going to provide. But hey, why don't you just get up there and lay down yourself? Okay, dad. Yeah. He pulls out his big old knife. His son is thinking in his mind, this is getting real. And he's about to obey God. And just like he would an animal, he takes his hair and pulls him back and exposes his neck. As he lifted up the knife, all of a sudden, there was a sound in the bush and he looked over and there was a ram caught in the thicket. And he said, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. 
Isaac, you can get up. <laughs> you know I was about to kill you, but I was. But God would have raised you from the dead. But anyway, go get up. Let's get this ram. And God, while, listen now, I'm going to give you a prophetic word for your life. While you're going up this mountain in your life that seems so difficult, God, your provider's going up the other side. And when you get to the top, he's going to show you that he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I don't know what you're going through right now, but listen to me. God is on the other side. You can't tell, but he is, he is making provision if you'll just be obedient. Faith plus obedience equals possible. Do what God tells you to do. And here's the promise, y'all. Listen, here's the promise. The promise is honor God and he will Jehovah Jireh you. Wow. Honor God. Listen, y'all really hear my heart on this. If you're watching online, really hear my heart on this. So many people think normal about their money. And to think normal about your money is to think, hey, I made all this money and I've got all these bills and here's who I owe and here's my life. But when you think normal about your money, nothing great happens. So God says, here's what I want you to think about your money. I want you to think about your money the same way that Abraham thought about his firstborn son, Isaac. And I want you to offer the first dollar of every 10 that you make to me on the altar. And if you'll honor me this way, I will open the windows of heaven over you. I will pour out blessings on you. Oh, I can't do that. Listen, the Bible doesn't say that when God said, I want you to go sacrifice your son, Isaac. What do you mean, God? It doesn't show his reasoning. It doesn't show that he was going, God, what do you mean? You tell me you were going to give me a son. Then finally, after 25 years, you, you give me a son. And now 15 later, you're saying you want him back. No, what I want is your faith. And what I want is your obedience and your trust that I'll do my part in your life if you'll do what I'm asking you to do. So God has set up, listen to me, God has set up a biblical system for success that all these stories in the Bible are about honoring God and putting God above your reasoning and just doing it God's way. And if God says about your money that he wants you to give the first dollar every 10, you might think in your mind, I can't afford it. Well, guess what? Abraham couldn't afford to give his firstborn son either. But he did it. He was willing to do it. And God said, now watch this. I love, I love this scripture. I love this scripture. God said this. He says, do not lay your hand on the lad. Don't do anything to him. For now I know that you honor me, your God. You know what I want God to say about me? Now I know, Keith. And I just want to say to you, God, you know. God, you know. If it comes through me, if you can get it to me, it's going to go through me to advance your cause in the earth. You know that yesterday, Pastor Sheila and I, went to a wedding of a pastor who I'd never met personally. But years ago, he was, as a young guy in his 30s, he was one of the leading pastors in America, had over 33,000 people in his church, eight different campuses, but had a problem with alcohol. Nobody that ever starts drinking ever thinks, this is gonna have me someday. That's probably the reason I don't drink. Because you know what I think? Anything that's worth doing is worth overdoing. I'm just telling you the truth. If you, if, if you went out with me and we started knocking whatever back, I would, be, I would be the one that would drink you under the table, your whole crew under the table, and then they'd go, he's a pastor? They already say that, by the way. But anyway, that guy didn't act like a pastor. He don't talk like a pastor. pastor hey, if, if, I, if, I, if I got in the alcohol world, y'all just, listen, I'm not condemning you if you are. I'm just telling you with me, we're going. We're going, we're gonna have a good time. Now watch, don't, don't be offended by what I'm saying. Just listen to what I'm saying. This is one of the reasons why I don't drink because of what I've seen. This guy did not start out with alcohol, having him. He just thought he'd have some alcohol. He loses his church 
His wife said, I can't take it anymore, and they left. He came to the point of suicide. And one of the most well-known pastors in America, one of the largest churches in America, had nothing. Alcohol took him further than he wanted to go, cost him more than he wanted to pay, and was keeping him there longer than he wanted to stay, because it got him. I began to watch his story, and then we never had a conversation. And I started, through a friend, I got his number, and I started texting him, just like I texted my friends this morning. I believe in you. God's got great things for you. Your best days haven't been lived yet. He would text me back, because this is how the church world works. If you're in my position and you fall, everybody that says they were your friends, all of a sudden, you're just getting another guy that blew it. Another guy that messed up. Not very much restoration in the church. That's where all the restoration should be. Come on, y'all. Because nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. So for several years, I've just texted him. And he met somebody. And then he and I had a discussion about how God sees divorce. God hates divorce. Because God hates brokenness. We talked him through a process and long story short, long story short. I told Sheila when he was getting remarried, I said, we're going. I've never even met him. I said, we're going. He also decided about two years ago, he was going to start a church. Our church, just so you know, sowed the first $5,000 into that church. You know why? Because listen, whether anybody knows it or not, listen, whether anybody knows it or not, in the whole body of Christ, I'm a spiritual father in the whole body of Christ, not just in this church, but God has put a mantle on my life to be a father to not only the fatherless, but to be a father voice to those who've never had a true spiritual father voice in their life. You've got 10,000 teachers, the Bible says, but few fathers. At any point you can decide to give me the privilege, listen now, to speak to you as a father. Even though I can't meet every need that you have for a father, God has authorized me to speak as a spiritual father in the body of Christ. And if there needs to be restoration, I'm going to be a part of that. If there needs to be somebody that's been broken and wounded and needs to be restored back, we're going to be a part of that. So I texted him and I said, we're coming to your wedding. He said, oh man, I know what he's thinking. I don't even know this guy. You see, it's not how other people see you. It's how you see yourself and what you believe about yourself and the action that you take based on what you believe about yourself. It costs a lot of money to fly to South Carolina. It costs a lot of money to go to that podunk place they got married because we had to rent a car. I don't know if you've rented a car these days, but just to rent a rental car because of what's happened in our world, $280 for a rental car for one day. I got, I told you, I said, man, that's an expensive rental car. And that's how it is right now. If you rent cars and if you travel for business, you know exactly what I'm saying. It's crazy. Everything's going up. I'm talking about through the roof. So after we got through, I just walked up to him at the end of the, end of the funeral. Because when you get married, it's two funerals and one resurrection. And I said, hey, I just wanted to tell you, we were here just to support you. I don't need anything from you but we love you. He just looking at me. He hugs me. We meet his new wife for the first time. And after that, Sheila and I got back in the car, drove about an hour and a half back to the hotel where there was a hotel and flew out yesterday so we could be back here for this weekend. Why? Watch this. Because of what I believe about myself and I take action based on what I believe, not for what I'll get back in that relationship not because I'll get anything back, but because that's how I see myself. You know what happens to us? Our spouse, people, our boss, employees, clients, potential clients, we don't think people see us as great. It doesn't matter how they see you. You be great. You show up where you're supposed to show up. You do what God's called you to do. And guess what? God's the one that'll bring the blessing of Abraham on your life. Here's the last thing. Live as an heir of God. So believe what God says and watch, there's a promise. If you believe what God says and he says you're great, 
He says you're great. There'll be a great reward just for you believing you're great. And then secondly, if you'll do what God says, if you'll honor God, starting in every area of your life, put God first, especially listen to me. There's not anybody here that doesn't want to make more money. Get people to help you. Get people to help you with your dreams. Get people so into yourself. Be somebody that says, you know what? I believe enough in myself that I'm going to invest in myself. Not just my car, not just my house, not just my food. No, I'm going to invest in myself. And if you'll do that, if you'll honor God, he'll Jehovah Jireh you. I just speak over your life. Great provision is coming your way in 2021. Come on. Great provision as you honor God in your life. Here's the last thing. Live as an heir of God. Here's what the Bible says. Y'all listen. Galatians 3. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Everybody put an amen on that. You're not under what the law says. You're not, you're not the old law. You're not under what people have said. You've been redeemed, having become a curse for us. The Bible says, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. So let me give you some good news. Here's how you live as an heir. You believe it before you receive it. Ladies, some of y'all single, what kind of husband are you believing for? If you're believing for a great guy, it's going to demand that you be a great woman. Believe it before you receive it and then take action on it. All right. Here's another way that you live as an heir. You speak it before you see it. This is my life story, man. I speak those things. The Bible says that Abraham spoke those things that were not as though they were. Begin to speak out of your mouth what you see for your future. When I, when I was telling people around me when I was a sophomore in high school, I'm getting me a college scholarship. I, I promise you, I'm not exaggerating. I couldn't stay in the game more than five minutes. The only records I set was for fouling out quicker than anybody in the history of basketball. I'm just telling you. And I'm going, I'm going to get me a college basketball scholarship someday. I told my parents that. They didn't even have any idea what it meant. Nobody has to know what your dream means. You have to know what your dream means. And then believe it before you receive it. Speak it before you see it. Watch this. Act on it before you feel it. Some people have to feel their way into an action. It's time to stop feeling it and say, you know what? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Good morning, precious. Those are my personal declarations that I believe, that I speak it before I see it, and that I act on it before I feel it. Don't be a person that has to feel it and then take action. Just do it. Come on, y'all. How do you live as an heir of God? Decide it before you have it. Here's what I've decided. When I told Sheila when we were 15, and we're walking on the beaches of Destin, Florida, Patrick, and I'd say, someday I'm gonna have me a house down here. I had no way of knowing how that was gonna happen, but it was in my heart. 40 years later, I built one. 40 years it took to come to pass. But am I telling the truth, Sheila? Did I say that? We had these little kids walking along the beach. 15, hey, I'm dreaming. I'm gonna have my house down here someday. She's going, okay. She's always heard me say crazy stuff. But even she believes it's gonna happen, in Jesus' name. Watch this now. If you're gonna live in the, as an heir, honor it before you're rewarded for it. And then... Here's the last one. This is a big one. Give it before you need it. Some people hold. They don't give. When we're generous, we're the most like God. They hold it. Watch. No, let's, let's, let's switch gears for a minute. Because they think they might need it. I better, I better hold because I might need this. Give it before you need it. Watch this now. Don't need the affirmation of your spouse. Give it before you need it. In other words, what is a window to your soul and the soul of other people around you? Whatever you need from them, your awareness of that is what you give to them first. What messes up marriage and relationships is we live in this space of, I need this and I want it and it doesn't ever happen. Give it before you need it. Are y'all getting that? It must be all of heaven that I heard. Give me an amen on that. 
Give it before you need it. All right. I've shared this story before, but I want to close with this. The six-year-old body of Timothy Henry Gray was found under a Wyoming overpass two days after Christmas in 2012. There was no sign of foul play, no indication of a crime or mischief. A homeless cowboy who died of hypothermia, Gray was a victim of bad breaks and bad luck, or so he thought. There's just one little detail. He stood to inherit millions of dollars. Gray's great-grandfather was a wealthy copper miner, railroad builder, and founder of a small Nevada town you might have heard of called Las Vegas. His fortune was passed down to his daughter, Huguette Clark. She died in 2011 at the age of 104. She left 300 million to her nurse, doctors, and charity. At the time of Gray's death, the execution of the will was tied up in court. And as things turned out, the man found dead underneath the railroad overpass wasn't poor, but had $19 million. How does the heir of a fortune die like a pauper? Let me just tell you how. When you don't know how great you are. And so you live normal or below normal. Romans 8 says this, and if we are his children, then we are also his heirs. Heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, sharing in his spiritual blessing and inheritances. Here's the promise. If you live and act like an heir, you will inherit the promise of Abraham's blessing. Y'all start acting like you're an heir. Come on, start acting, acting like you're an heir. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.